Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than my partner in crime, LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you still up in Buffalo? I am. I leave tomorrow. Oh, you're coming down to Orange County? We are. We've got eight (laughs) people that we get to beat up this week. (laughs) One of your famous, yours and Alan's famous boot camps down in Orange County. You've got a few of them this year. We'll talk about that in a a moment. Um, uh, Just let everybody know, of course, we are live every uh, Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And Wherever you find uh, podcasts, we're all over the place. Um, We're going to be joined here just momentarily by the uh, communications coordinator from the LPGA's Epson Tour, uh, Allie Lutter. She's going to be joining us here in a moment. And a little bit later on, Cindy and I are going to jump into the OBS zone to discuss more game improvement strategies. Uh, I think we've got some good ones here this morning. Uh, Before we bring uh, Allie out, though, let me uh, me just ask you, how many boot camps have you got this year? And when are they? Oh, wow. Two, three, four, five, six. Six. Wow. That's fantastic. Now, that's that's more than normal, right? I mean, usually I know you have at least four. It is. It's my mission to have more. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you just move? Why don't you just move down to Florida and come down to Orange County? You're here most of the season, anyways, uh, doing these boot camps. No, that's great. That's fantastic. You guys do a great job, and always excited to to hear about that. And we'll we'll hear about. uh, about this one uh, the next time we're on air. Um, all right, uh, our very special guest, uh, as I mentioned, is uh, uh, Allie Lutter, and she's the communications coordinator for the LPGA's Epson Tour, uh, graduated from Penn State University with a degree in broadcast journalism and sports journalism certificate. Her passion for sports and storytelling has led her down multiple professional paths, including on-air work, video editing, and writing. And as I mentioned, she's currently um, the communications coordinator for the LPGA's Epson Tour. So, Cindy, let's welcome this morning, our very special guest, Allie Lutter. Good morning, Allie. Good morning. Thanks for having me. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. So tell everybody where you are. Um, I'm currently in Venice, Florida. We have stage two of the LPGA and Epson Tour qualifying tournament. So that'll be happening competitive rounds Thursday through Sunday. Awesome song. Now let me ask you, there's another, this is just the first part of it, right? There's another final, I think, isn't it, up in uh, 
in Alabama. Uh, is it next week? Uh, yes, this is actually the second part of it. Stage one was held out in California in August, and then we have stage two this week. And then there's Q series, which is a combination of the old stage three, two weeks long out in Alabama, and that'll be the first two weeks in December. And where where is that being held this year? Um, that is being held in Mobile and Dothan. Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, I was, uh, as I think I mentioned before, I've been, uh, I went last year, they had uh, the very final stage of it uh, at the uh, Highlands in Dothan, Alabama, so I was able to uh, take a hop, skip, and a jump, as they say, down the street to be able to watch uh, these young ladies uh, go for their card, and it was uh, very interesting. Um, Cindy, I know I, we talked a little bit about it on the show. Um, Cindy, do you want to go ahead? How many women, I, I, I will go ahead, how many girls, women are there right now? This week, there's 172 players. And how many will make it through to get to go to Dilson? Um, That number is not yet determined. They are going to be finalizing that number right before round one starts. So we'll have a little bit more information on that tomorrow or Thursday morning. Wow. Or I guess between today and Thursday morning. All we know is before round one. Ay, 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 ay. So, bless all of them, right? <laughs> yes, and it's actually pretty cool because we have um, 36 amateurs competing, 104 people that qualified out of Stage 1. There's players that are exempt by Rolex ranking and by WAPT. Um, there's three exempt amateurs, and then um, it's the Epson Tour members that were ranked within the top 125 as of August 8th. And LPGA tour members ranked outside of the top 150 as of October 10th. So some really good talent out here and some really good stories coming out of the week. Wow. Ted? So let's move to the Epson Tour um, and talk a little bit about 2022. What's your overall assessment of the season as you – Look back, this was obviously the first season that Epson took over as the title sponsor from uh, Symmetra, um, and they came in. What was your assessment, though, of, of the season itself? How, what were some of the highlights for you, uh, and um, what was some of the, the more interesting tournaments, events, as far as um, uh, how the players played and, and so forth? Maybe just give us sort of an overview of the whole season. Yeah, I joined the team in June excuse me, early June. Um, So I was fairly new to all of it about halfway through the season. From what I've heard from the women on tour and, you know, some of my coworkers, I mean, everyone's seen a tremendous um, improvement with Epson being the title sponsor and everybody's overall very happy with it. Just being able to, from my standpoint, witness the pro-ams and see some of the Epson people come out and interact with the girls. I think it was just really special to see that connection being made and, you know, just for the girls to see how much support they really have through the company. So I think that was a lot of fun to get to watch. And then from the tournament perspective, I thought it was just a lot of fun to watch them all compete. And, you know, any given week could be any given player's time to shine. And it wasn't really, you know, we had some really good players who week after week were doing very well, but, I loved the fact that it was anybody's game, and especially towards the end of that, the top ten was shifting. Um, and, you know, 
you really had to work hard for what you wanted. And I think that's a big thing about pursuing your dreams is if you can work hard for mm-hmm. it and have that consistency to keep going and keep working, then you, there's really no um, goal that you can't reach. So I think that that was super cool for me to see. And it also kind of reassures that to myself that, you know, I'm not out there playing the golf, but it's the same message that if I keep working hard and keep doing the things that I need to, there's really nothing that you can't do. So I think it was really cool. And I think from the tournaments, one of the ones that I loved a lot was um, the Murphy USA El Dorado shootout out in El Dorado, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. That was one that the girls leading up to were all saying, you know, it's one of the hardest courses we play all year, very hilly, depending on the weather, it can really kind of um, get in your head. And when we got there, it was beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful course and Mm -hmm. you can definitely see the challenges. And I just thought it was, super impressive that although they were saying that it's difficult and it's challenging and it's, you know, you really have to be on your, on your game, both mentally and physically that week, that's the course that everyone loves returning to. So I thought that was really interesting that it's one that, um, for lack of better words, gets complained about for the challenge, but everyone loves just as equally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's always a certainly a favorite among players. Uh, might be several of them actually, um, and usually the one that presents the biggest challenge a lot of times is is also can be uh, one of the favorites as well. It sounds like it was here in this particular case. Yep. What was some of when you look at at the players themselves, and it doesn't necessarily have to include the top ten. Obviously, th- those are the sort of the shining. Uh, stars, if you will, as as they finished out the season, now move on to the LPJ Tour. Were there some other players um, that really stood out to you throughout your time on this? You know, as you said, you came in around June sometime, so you didn't get to see the early parts of the season. But as you progressed through the later part of the season, who were some of the standouts for you? Who did you really say, you know, this this young lady is going to go far? Um, I think one of the players that I'm excited to keep up with and continue watching, especially through Q series in the next couple of weeks is Alexa Pano. I think that she mm-hmm. was, you know, she held a spot in the top 10 pretty much up until that last week. And for being 17 for most of the season, turning 18 in August, and then, you know, really being the only person in the top 10 that didn't have a win up until that last week, she played tremendously for being one of the only ones who didn't have that win in that top ranking so I think that's a really good thing to keep an eye on she was consistently playing well um, and was always up near the top kind of always had her name up there so I think that she's going to be a good one to watch later on especially for her age yeah that's I mean that's young (laughs) that's incredible yeah Um, and and you and, and you know what's interesting is we've we've had some others here too um, you know over the last several years who you know, got either got in uh, to the top ten and actually didn't win an event, which was really surprising when you consider there were some that had two or three uh, events that they won throughout the year. Obviously, they made it into the top ten, and some of them that didn't, but they they were just high enough in the rankings and in in the the purse money, if you will, that they were able to generate enough, uh, uh, you know, of the, of the purses to to still put them up in that spot. So. You know, it doesn't always have to be a winner, uh, you know, a winner on the event uh, to get into uh, that uh, slot. So, um, 
kudos to her, and I think she'll probably, as you said, do very well in the Q series as well. And I'm sure, if not this year, maybe next year, she'll be uh, uh, able to get into that top ten slot and, and certainly out into the LPJ Tour. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Tell us what you love most about your job. Ooh, that's a tricky question because I love all of it. Um, I think my favorite part is just getting to tell the stories of these women. I think that's always what's drawn me to broadcast journalism. I just love being able to give them a platform. And, you know, there's some who develop a following, and especially in the professional world, you get fans. And, you know, it's not necessarily as needed um, from the social media perspective. But I think just being able to put into writing or, you know, help my coworkers um, put into video and picture and kind of brainstorm together how we can best tell their stories is incredible to me. And I think it's a great tool and resource to have to be able to amplify their voices just a little bit more. I think that, you know, they all have such unique stories and a lot of them aren't discovered or aren't known um, to the general public or maybe not even to their friends. So being able when they're ready to help them tell their story and get their name out there and, you know, just let the world know a little bit more about them is super important to me. Do you prefer to write or to create videos? So all throughout college, I did video editing. Um, that's That was my main form of storytelling. And then the early parts of my career were definitely more video oriented. I will say that through starting my job with the Epson tour, I've gotten a lot more comfortable writing and I've gotten a lot more confident in my writing. So I think that right now it's a toss up. I do love the video side, but the writing is equally as fun to me. And I think it's something that the more, um, like I was saying earlier, the more you push towards your dreams and the more you develop and the more you, you know, remind yourself that you can do it, the better you do in life. So I think that's something that I always try to keep in the back of my mind and remind myself, especially with my writing, that, you know, there there will be outlets where I'll be able to create video, but, you know, take advantage of the writing while it's here. And when did you figure out that this is what you wanted to do? So I actually figured out in seventh grade that I wanted to work in sports in some capacity, and I definitely was a little bit more of that broadcast um, journalism focus. My seventh grade English teacher, she came into school on the first day, did an all about me section in her presentation, and she used to be a sideline reporter or locker room reporter for the Philadelphia 76ers. So when she was talking about her old career, I just thought that was so fascinating. Like, you know, I knew it was a job, but I didn't really register that it was something that I could do. So I worked closely with her to kind of learn more about the job, um, learn more about what it takes to be able to do that. And she definitely kind of set my, set my sights on that career and helped me get to where I am today. So I'm very grateful for her for that because I love what I do. Did you play a sport? in school? Um, I did not play in college, but I was a swimmer and I played field hockey in high school. Awesome. Awesome. I asked all these questions because there could be some young girl that's 
listening that may be interested in doing what you do? Yeah, that's one of my favorite things, too, is talking to young girls who are out on the course. And, you know, obviously a lot of them, they come out and they watch the women on tour and they want to be pro golfers. But I think it's just such a different perspective to see that you can still work in sports without having to be the most athletic person or, you know, the best at your sport. You can still find ways to incorporate what you love into a job. Absolutely. Ted? Well said. Um, well, and and it's always good, you know, when you have somebody, obviously, that sounds like she was a, a mentor to you, um, and now you're having an opportunity as you develop and learn your craft, as you will, um, we'll have opportunities to sort of pay it forward uh, to other uh, young ladies as they come up through uh, their journey in life. And I think it's always very rewarding. And I think something that was very interesting that you said, too, is, you know, you don't really think of it as a job. I mean, technically it is, you know, you get paid and so forth, but um, it's something that you're very passionate about. And I'm a firm believer, I don't care who or what, or, you know, I think that when you find something that you're really passionate about and you enjoy and you're willing to pursue it and, and learn and, and educate yourself more about it, it really isn't a job anymore. It's it's part of a passion, but it's it's fun and you enjoy it. And I think it sounds to me from what I'm hearing through you is that's really what you found. And this is um, a, an area that uh, you know you've developed that passion for. Um, and I, I think you're going to do very very well. And the fact that you're willing to also uh, you know. As you mentioned, you started sort of with the video editing, but now you're getting into the writing. So you're you're expanding your your repertoire, but you're also learning new things. And I think that's uh, something that's going to serve you very well. I, I want to go back to um, the the girls on on the Epson tour. You obviously have a chance to see a lot of them, uh, communicate with a lot of them. Are you impressed by the fact not so much about how they play? Um, but particularly, you, you mentioned the young lady who was, you know, 17 early in the season. Are you impressed with the level of commitment to practice that these young ladies put into their games? Oh, of course. I think that, you know, for us as fans, and this goes for any sport, we kind of forget that, like, this is their job. So, you know, we go to work, and there's people who – work nine to five and sit at a desk. There's people like us who, you know, go to the sporting events and we're not necessarily sitting at a desk, but you have a lot of work to do um, to provide what the fans want. And I think that as a fan, it kind of gets lost and we put these players on a pedestal and we think that they are like godlike figures, which they are so impressive and so great, but they're people just like us. And that's something that I've mm-hmm. kind of reminded myself as like from the fans' perspective, now having worked in sports. So I think that's something that seeing the practice and seeing especially like the mental side of what goes into their practice, into their play, it's so impressive just to see how much really goes into it. And, you know, you think that, you know, the players go out on the field, on the course, on the court, wherever they may be, they're going out there, they're playing their game, and then they're going home and, you know, just, they do it again. Like, we forget that there's so much more that goes into it, just like we have to mm-hmm. put so much work into our jobs. They have to do the same way to get the results that they want, just like we wouldn't get the results that we want if we didn't put work in as well. 
Yeah, I, I was very impressed. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, uh, at the event, you're seeing more of a, a warm-up and preparation for the tournament. Um, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, um, you know, leading up to those events when they're working with their swing coaches, when they're working with their, you know, personal trainers and things like that. It's not just a matter of, you know, uh, putting the, you know, the ball on a peg into the ground and, and you know, swiping the club. They're actually doing a lot of preparation just to get to that point. Um, and it exactly. amazes me, that's why I asked you, it, you know, it, it amazes me, right, because, you know, as you said, like some of these young girls are, you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, you know, I thought, <laughs> that's embarrassing to say, but I think when I was 17 or 18 years old, I certainly didn't have the level of commitment that, you know, that these guys did. And, you know, you just, it, 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 it's really, I think for somebody, for a fan, this is what it's really all about is, is not just watching some great golf, but just watching the level of commitment that they have and um, it's it just very uh, amazing. So as you look forward to, I know there's some things you probably can't uh, go into or may not even know yet. Um, what's 2023 looking like uh, on the Epson Tour? Are there some new events that are going to be coming up? Uh, obviously, a lot of the similar events that were this year, but there are new ones or new sponsors that you know of coming in that maybe you could share some, some insight I can't say as much just yet. I can say to be on the lookout in um, early December for a schedule release. That'll be dropping on EpsonTour.com and shared on our social platforms. We definitely have some exciting things coming up. Um, there could be some purse increases. There could be some new events. You just have to wait and find out. <laughs> All right, so we're not going to pry it out of you, in other words, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, no, that's fine, and I anticipated that. Um, you know, and I want to touch on something you just said that um, that a lot of people maybe don't realize um, with Epson coming in on this. You know, they've really sort of grabbed the bull by the horn in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, number one, they lowered um, the entry fee um, a little bit for for the young ladies playing, so that helps a little bit, as well as already increased the purses from what they were previously, um, uh, you know, before they took over. So they've already done that, and if there's some anticipation that they're going to continue down that path and doing more, I mean, that's really going to gin up some excitement for these young ladies coming out next season. Um, it's already done a lot. I know I talked to a few of them when I was at the Tour Championship uh, in uh, early October, and they were very, very excited with what's going on this season with what Epson's done already. So if they've got some other things under their cap, it'll be interesting to hear about it and see uh, as things progress. Um, so what do you do now? This is sort of the, the I shouldn't say the off-season. I know you're at stage two um, right now, but what's the rest of your season look like until you get ready to start into 2023? What do you What do you got cooking from now until... Uh, next next spring when things start up again. Yeah, I mean, our off-season, um, the girls definitely have a little bit more of an off-season than we do, which no complaints because this is my job. But um, we <laughs> definitely are focusing a lot more on reaching out to media in different um, markets that we visit, making sure that we're all on the same page, letting them know of anything 
that's coming up, any kind of releases, things that they would want to, you know, be in tune to and sharing. That's a lot of what I'm doing right now. Um, we still focus on a lot of storytelling, you know, just because they're not playing golf doesn't mean there's not stories to be told. So we're definitely looking into stories, still talking to the women on tour, learning more about them. I think especially as a newer team for the media for Epson tour, we definitely want to keep making those contacts, talking to them and really helping them elevate their stories and their platforms. You know, some people, if they're willing to talk about it, maybe, um, fine-tuning some injuries they may maybe fine-tuning some like the mental side of golf so really just talking to them see what's going on Mm -hmm. in their lives and if they're willing to share we'll tell their stories but yeah I guess we're kind of just fine-tuning looking back at last season seeing what we could have improved on um, what we think could go Mm -hmm. better what we think went well and then you know brainstorming a game plan to make sure that as a team we're on the same page heading into next season and giving the best product possible. Yeah, well done, by the way. You guys did a great job this year. Uh, just one final question I have, and then I'll send it back to, to Cindy. Um, with respect to doing things like this show and, and, and I'm sure others as well that, that the girls do, are they generally as a, as a whole, now some of them may not be, but are generally as a whole, are they pretty comfortable in doing things like this or, or are most of them kind of nervous a little bit? Because a lot of this is fairly new for, for, I'm sure, some of them anyways, some of them that maybe been playing for a few years through the tours have gotten used to it, but are they generally um, pretty comfortable with doing interviews and, and talking with, with people in the media like us, or uh, are they still kind of a little bit nervous? That really depends. Kind of like you said, the ones who have been around a little bit longer, they're used to it, and they're a lot more comfortable. I think what we've noticed is um, there's some girls with a really great personality that when you put the camera on them, they kind of get a little shy, and we you know, don't have to pull it out of them, but just remind them that, you know, it's just like you're sitting here talking to me. It's not, you know, just ignore the camera and keep being you because that's what everyone wants to see. And in reality, you know, everybody that's following us on social media doesn't have the opportunity to meet them in person. Whereas if they were meeting them in person, you wouldn't act any differently. So we just try to remind them of that. I think that also comes with, like you said, experience and age, Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there are some of the younger girls who are great and very comfortable already, which I think will set them up for a lot of success later in life. Um, but it definitely, you know, you don't want to push the ones that aren't the most comfortable, but you also want to help them get to the point where they are comfortable enough to do it later on in life. Because I think that's a big part of being a professional athlete is you're going to have to talk to media and answer questions and, you know, there's times where the question that gets thrown at you might not be the most comfortable to answer, but kind of knowing how to politely answer it, beating around the bush a little bit, and, you know, <laughs> figuring out the best way to give the reporter or whoever's asking the question what they need without, you know, shutting them down or being rude about it. That's something that I, right. from the reporting perspective, have dealt with before and want to help. Um, that's one of my main goals is helping the girls figure out the best way to answer things to be the most comfortable and, you know, not hate what they said afterwards. Yeah. I, I think we, you know, Cindy and I, I think do a pretty good job trying to make him feel comfortable. You can, you can sense, you know, when they, when they come on, um, like you said, some of them are very, um, you know, right there and they're excited to talk about things and others obviously are very shy. So you have to 
you know, sort of really uh, pick at them a little bit to get them to, to open up more. But uh, for the most part, I think uh, the majority of them have done very, very well that have come on our show uh, over the years. And, um, you know, it's uh, even even some of the ones that had a little bit of a language barrier uh, managed to, to be able to um, uh, do a really great job. So that's, uh, again, a, a testament to you guys uh, helping them along the way for some of them. Um, Cindy, any uh, final questions or thoughts that you want to share? Do they go through media trainings? Once I qualified for the LPGA tour, we had to go through media training. Do you still do that? Ooh, that I'm not sure of. I haven't been around long enough to know the answer to that. Got it. Got it. That's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. And, we're going to have uh, probably you and Ben back uh, early in the season when you get ready to kick things off for 2023. We'll have you come back on, and by then you'll be able to share some of the uh, uh, secrets that you're you're holding under your hat right now. But uh, we yes. appreciate you coming on, <laughs> and we understand. Uh, but we appreciate you, as Cindy said, we appreciate you coming on and, and, and sharing uh, a little bit of insight and, and helping to wrap up 2023. I think it's uh, – or sorry, 2022. It's been a, a great season and a lot of events. And I know the girls uh, uh, had a good time. Uh, certainly, the ones that we've talked to and and um, and have met along the way. So keep up the great work, Allie. Thank you very much again for joining us, and we look forward to having you come back again in uh, 2023. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Bye bye. You know, it's interesting. So just to sort of play off uh, the question you asked, so what did they have you do when you went through media training on the LPJ? Just They tried to teach you, you know, how to answer questions and how to be polite and, you know, thinking about your answers and what are you willing to share and all that good stuff. It's just I yeah. think it's real important to do that. Did you ever find it difficult for yourself? I mean, you, you're obviously a very uh, a good speaker and, and, and uh, certainly can articulate your points very well. Did you ever find that an issue, um, you know, if you got in front of the camera? And, and I know you run big breaks, so obviously you had to, uh, you know, deal with that. But um, did you ever f- have an issue for yourself personally? No. You know what I think it is? I think if... If you're willing to be authentic and be yourself, mm-hmm. I remember an article that a guy wrote about me in Dallas about the struggles, you know, hey, let's pick on somebody that's playing like crap and going to lose their card and is really struggling. Right. And they found me, right? And right. And if you're willing to be open and honest and look in the mirror and say, well, this is really the truth, right? I don't. I wish it wasn't mm-hmm. the truth, but it is the truth. Then people embrace that because most people don't want to let anyone know who they really are. Think if you're authentic and true to yourself, and share what you want to share, right? I mm-hmm. think that you're going to win. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point that you raise because, you know, I think it's, you know, as Ali was pointing out too, you're always going to find some challenging questions and that that maybe sometimes you're not really comfortable with. But I think if you meet them head on and you're, and you're genuine in, in, uh, in, in your responses, um, and obviously sometimes you, you might have to dance around a little bit depending on what it is, uh, but 
for the most part, I think if you're, you know, if you speak from the heart and just sort of, uh, you know, not necessarily bury your soul, but certainly be authentic, as you said, I think it makes it much easier than trying to, you know, bob and weave and dodge uh, questions because it, it becomes very apparent that's what you're doing, and that only encourages, um, in, in some cases, not every case, but some cases, somebody being a little bit more uh, aggressive and saying, oh, okay, you know, it looks like she's hiding something or he's hiding something and, and uh, want to pursue or dig a little deeper. So I think sometimes just being your authentic self um, uh, certainly goes a long way. We're going to take a real fast break, and then you and I are going to dip into the no BS zone and talk about some more game improvement strategies. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, you're joining Cindy Miller and I'm Ted Odorico here on the Women of Golf Show and we're going to uh, zip into the No BS Zone for a few moments and talk about some uh, game improvement strategies. Uh, some of them are strategies, some of them are just sort of generic, I throw, sort of a mixed bag, if you will. And, and one question I want to get your thoughts on here, and this is really not so much about the improvement, but just sort of a general question. Do you think everybody has the ability to reach a, a, a plus handicap uh, if they really put their mind to it and effort uh, into it? Uh, and, and are there any physical characteristics that you think of of a golfer? Is there something different, unique about golfers um, compared to others uh, out there in other sports? Is there something that you know you kind of have to have? Um, and as far as the, the handicap, you know, to be a better player, I guess, is really what I'm asking. Do you think everybody has that ability in them and it's just a matter of getting it out, or is there just some that are just sort of born with a little bit more talent than others? What are, what are your thoughts there? Well, I don't believe everyone can reach a plus handicap. Right. I mean, there's these physical issues. Uh, you know, take an 80-year-old man. Right. <laughs> it, it, you know, that, that's not going to happen. Now, if you're uh, – can everyone get better? Yes, everyone can get better. What is your best? You know, how how good can you get? We don't know. I, and again, we both teach golf, so we we certainly have examples of people that you thought, "Wow, this is going to be a little bit of a struggle." Uh, here's right. what I will tell you: talent is important, but will is more important. Mm-hmm. Willing to work and the want being bad enough. So, if you want it bad enough and you're willing to work and you're willing to be teachable, you can really improve. Yeah, I think that's uh, great. And obviously, it's it's uh, you know the the question's kind of loaded too. I mean, obviously, there are going to be a lot of examples where people are not going to get that. I think really, what I look for is a, a sort of a mixture of what you just said. I think obviously there has to be a certain amount of 
uh, a natural talent. And I'll give you an example. I had a friend of mine. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But um, when we were growing up, he just had a natural rhythm to his body. And he'd get up there, and this is when, of course, we still had uh, using the persimmon woods. And he would just belt that thing out there straight every single time without any effort. And, and I used to say to him, you know, or ask him, you know, did your dad get you some lessons, uh, you know, growing up? And he said no. He just said, you know, I play other sports. I'm pretty athletic, and which he was. And he just said, I just, you know, saw one day on TV, uh, you know, some of the greats of the game, how they swung the, the club and um, just went out and, and did it. And now putting everything together, now he could hit the ball fantastic, but to actually go out and score was a whole different thing. Um, you know, he just didn't ha he wasn't able to put everything together, um, uh, you know, as, as well as others. So I think that you're, you're right. I think there's a certain amount of talent, but you have to have um, other abilities as well. And you have to have the will and determination, um, just like we talked about earlier with Ali. You know, these young ladies have to be able to go out there and really hone their game. And you're going to see a lot out on any tour, I don't care who it is, where they're going to be some cases where they're phenomenal ball strikers. I mean, some of the best in the world but yet they can't seem to put everything together and win that many tournaments. And then you see somebody else who has, you know, they're not maybe the best ball, right? certainly solid. I mean, if they're going to be out on tour, they've got to be solid. Um, and they're out there winning everything left and right. It, it kind of makes you scratch your head, don't you think? But again, if you stop and say, okay, what are those skills that they worked on it, and this is going to sound bad, so all of you long ball hitters, don't get mad at me. But long drive guys, all they want to do is yep. hit it far. Well, can they break a hundred or ninety or eighty? Right. Probably not, because they hit it. They try. Their mission is to hit it far. Well, you right. can't really kill it and hit it in play and score. So, mm -hmm. if you you know, example being, let's say there's a guy at the club who's got a 12 handicap who's 72 years old and he plays from the right tees, he could shoot even par better because he mm -hmm. plays smarter golf. So it's right. being able to play smart golf and finesse and feel. If you If you become a student of the game and figure out how can I learn to score, which is the name of the game, it's score, then right. you can definitely score better. Yeah, I I, I think that's definitely um, down the right path. Uh, again, you know, you see a lot of players who can hit the ball very well but just can't seem to organize things, and that's the way I would look at it. Is they just can't seem to organize things in such a manner uh, to be able to – in other words, they're not really great players. They're great ball strikers, and they can certainly, uh, you know – when you watch them on the practice tee or the range, you think, wow, this person's going to be great. And then you get out there and you play with them, and it's like they're all over the place. I mean, they're hitting the ball solid, but they're just not putting anything together. Uh, one thing I just want to dip on real quick is I asked, and I don't know maybe if you didn't hear me or not, as I talked about the physical characteristics of a golfer, are there any that sort of stand out that not necessarily a prerequisite, but just that you think uh, certainly benefits an individual if they have this? No. I mean, I've seen fat, skinny, short, tall. <laughs> yeah, I think I Big think a certain element, of, right? 
yeah, as far as the side, and again, that's kind of a misleading question. I don't think so much, uh, you know, so much a physical characteristic as far as tall, short, whatever. Um, I think, though, a certain element of flexibility. In other words, you know, if you're stiff and rigid, it's very difficult to play this game. But if you've got a certain element of flexibility, I think that's a, a solid uh, um, physical characteristic to have. I think that would certainly help you. And I don't mean you you can bend over backwards or something to that extent, but I think you've got to be in order you know, listen, you know, who knows, right? But um, if you see an 80-year-old man doing that down at the villages, uh, you've you got to kind of wonder. But anyways, um, so, but you, you definitely do have to have a little bit of flexibility. Um, if you could suggest one thing for a high handicap, for an 18-plus handicap golfer to work on in order to improve his or her game that is going to definitely help lower their handicap and obviously get more enjoyment of the game, what would it be? What would be that one thing? To know what you're doing with the club. Hmm. So many people want to hit the ball. So they're slugging and attacking a ball, and they have no idea what they're doing with the club, and they don't understand that they're holding the tool that's going to tell the ball where to go. So if they back it up and say, okay, I need to know what I'm doing with the tool that's going to hit the ball, if you understand what you're doing with the tool, then you can tell the ball where to go, and then you can play better golf. Yep, very good. I agree 100% with that. You know, what a lot of people don't think about is, it's a golf swing. It's not a golf hit. I mean, obviously you're connecting and hitting the ball, but you're really swinging the golf club. The ball just happens to be in the way. And as long as you can swing the club uh, efficiently and keep that club face square, then you're going to play some good golf. You're going to be able to hit the ball solid. You're going to make good contact with it. Um, but you're right. That's that's a, a definite. And that, again, it doesn't mean you have to be the best ball striker out there but you've got to be able to know how to swing that golf club efficiently and properly. And that takes a little bit of doing. And a lot of people, I think, if they spent more time um, focusing on that aspect of it and not so much how far they're, you know, and again, I hate to use the word, as I'm sure you do, hitting it, um, less about distance and more about accuracy. Because accuracy, you know, distance can always be gained through other uh, evolutions of, of your golf swing, but accuracy is 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 premium. If you can if you can say I want to hit, you know I want to put place the ball over in this area of the fairway, or I want to land the ball over in this part of the green, and you can do it efficiently and with predictability, then you're well on your way of scoring better. So it's a matter of as you said earlier, sort of a mindset and 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 um, you know not so much about the physical part of the game but really about the mental part of the game, Uh, which brings me to this next one I want to ask you, because I know you've played in many tournaments. How did you keep, and you can use yourself example or or others, how do you keep focus for four days of a tournament with so much at stake, and what do you do to calm your nerves? In other words, what was the sort of the secret sauce for you? Well, Everyone's looking for an outcome. Oh, you're going to win? You're going to do this? It's like you have one shot at a time. So what I've learned from being a lunatic is that you absolutely have to relax and take it one shot at a time. So when you start to think of end result and outcomes, you're done. 
you got to just say, I'm going to play each shot the best I can. And and you can't, you know, like these poor girls have got to go through qualifying school. It's like, oh, my gosh, I, that was a nightmare. I yeah. had to do it twice. I missed the first time by four shots. Second time I made it. Um, but the whole time you're thinking, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? It's like you got to shut right. that voice off because you can't think those thoughts. You have to say, I'm going to do my best to stay focused on the task at hand and follow my process, and hopefully that's going to work out and be good enough and I'm going to make it. I mean, you can't think for four days. You have to also take a break between shots. You can't focus for four hours. You just can't do it. Your brain will be mush. Yeah, and and it's not good for really all of your game either because then – you know, when things don't go the way, if you're constantly focused 100%, uh, certainly in the moment when you're ready to take that shot, you have to have the focus there. But then when you've made that shot, you're, you know, on your way walking to the next shot, you know, that's when you sort of decompress a little bit. You think about something else. Um, you know, you just breathe, relax, that type of thing. But you can't be grinding it, as you said, for four hours uh, in a tournament every day. Otherwise, you'll burn yourself out. And I think that's uh, and I could be wrong, but I think that's part of the reason, you know, we, we've talked about this many times on the show where we've had some of the young ladies from, from the Epson Tour on, and they've talked about how they kind of got burnt out and, you know, really down in the dumps, didn't know if they wanted to continue. I wonder if some of them, and, and that's something we'll have to, next season when we have some more on, we'll have to ask them this, if this is maybe part of their problem is they're focusing too intently during the events and not sort of taking time in between shots. And, you know, and I don't mean they have to be thinking about flowers or something, but, you know, take their mind out of the moment and, and just relax. I wonder how many of them might be in that camp, do you think? A lot of them. A lot of them. Again, yeah. you can't think the whole time. And some of these yeah. poor girls, you know, probably have people back home that are giving them money, they don't have enough money to play. They got a gun pointed at their head. They've got their finger on the trigger, and they're saying, "You know what's the matter? Why are you missing the cut?" I mean, that's all I ever heard is, "You know what's wrong? Why do you miss the cut?" And I and I want right. to go. Do you think I'm trying to mess up? Nobody tries to mess up. Right. Yeah, you, you you've got to you, you've got to sort of be in the in the moment, uh, you know, on the golf course during. Um, you know, the shot. I remember you, um, you know, the story that was shared, and I, I forget who the guest was that we had on. They were talking about Annika Sorenstam, and um, it was very early on when, when you and I first came on air, and they were sharing the story, and it was during a time when Annika was uh, doing some remodeling. I think it was her kitchen or something, and she was coming into the U.S. Open, and she was really struggling with that, and they talked about how she asked, and again, the, the name escapes me, asked uh, somebody on tour. It was Lynn and Pia. She was getting ready yes. to tee off at the U.S. Open, and she said, right. I can't play today. I'm too nervous. And they said, how long does your pre-shot routine take? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, 24 seconds or something. And how long is it going to take you to play golf today? you know, four and a half hours. What's your scoring average? 70. Right. So if you have to think for two, you know, 20 seconds, 
25 seconds for for 70 shots, how long do you have to focus and concentrate today? And they figured it out. It was mm. like 35 minutes or something, right? And right. they said, do you think you can focus for 35 minutes today? Yeah. Well, where are you going to go in between shots? Aren't you fixing up your kitchen? Let's. Why don't you go to right. your kitchen and say, all right, where do I want my stove and refrigerator and my oven and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and again, this was years ago they said this story. Right. And I have never forgotten it, and neither have you, because it's yeah. so, you know, enlightening. And, and when you well, think and- about it... You're right. That's all you got to do is think for that long. Yeah, and and that's that's again the point. I mean, I, I was a little obviously a little sketchy on some of the details, but I, I remember that as well. I remember when they were sharing that story, and I thought to myself, you know, that's pretty incredible because most people, I guarantee it, would would be unwilling to do that. Um, and and you know, think about something. You say, well, I can't get my mind. You know, this is important. You know, this is a U.S. Open, or this is the the Masters, or whatever. You know, I've got to be I've got to be focused in there. And the truth of the matter is, um, you don't, because you're really only having to focus for, like you said, thirty thirty five minutes uh, in a in a round. And the rest of the time, where where's your mind going? And that's where a lot of I think people have issues where a negativity now creeps in, because. You know, they've hit the shot, they're walking up to the ball, and they're so focused on the round, and all of a sudden, well, that wasn't really a great shot. I should, I wish I had hit it over here. And they're thinking about all the, all the negative, all the baggage as we talk about slepping through the airport, you know, comes to fruition. And by the time they get up to the next shot, they've got so much negative baggage with them that, um, you know, even the pros, uh, you know, we see this sometimes where they're leading a tournament, and all of a sudden it's like a switch goes off and say, like, well, what happened to this person? You know, suddenly they're they're you know down five shots. How can they go from being in in that position to all of a sudden, you know, looks like they're going to lose the the tournament? And I think that's what a lot of it is. I don't think it's, it has nothing to do with ball striking. I mean, they might hit a bad shot here and there, but they're phenomenal ball strikers. But their their mind is is you know not in the in a in a good place at that particular time. And I think that's you know uh, goes to that particular story. I think is is why. You know, I wanted to bring it up because I think a lot of people go to that place where they're just so focused on on what they have to do out there. The last one I'm going to have you answer this because I know you talk about this all the time. Uh, how do you hit the ball straight every time? Give us the the secret sauce. How do we hit it straight? What what are people doing wrong, or what do they need to be doing right? They want to hit that ball straight. Again, um, so many golfers don't hit the ball where they want to hit the ball. And if they understand what a square club face looks like, and if they understand how to swing the club back, allow the face to open and bring it back to, down to square, with, in my opinion, it's their trail hand tossing a ball underhanded towards the target, mm-hmm. you can hit the ball straight all the time. Now, what causes you to not hit the ball straight? Well, the club doesn't come back where it started if it started straight. So let's assume it starts straight at the target, if it starts straight at the target, which it's not your shoulders at the target, it's the club face at the target. So many people think right. they're supposed to aim with their shoulders. If you aim with your shoulders, the ball's going to go to the right because you're like two railroad tracks, and the ball's yep. going to go to the right of where your shoulders are. Anyway, so let's aim the face at the target. Now, I make people do a little tiny chip shot five yards right in front of me 
can you get the ball to go in the air straight five yards? And a lot of people can't do it. And part of the reason, the biggest reason, is because they're trying to hit the ball. And then I say, okay, let's do one-handed. So backhand, you know, so if I'm right-handed, I'm going to do it with my right hand. Give me a little toss and make the ball go straight. The ball goes straight. I go, okay, so now you can hit it airborne and straight five yards. Now we can do a 10. Then we can do a 20. So if you, if you, um, so many of us, and I, me included, right? When you're, Mm -hmm. when you're struggling, you're like, oh my God, I'm drowning. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. And you'll, you become uh, elephant ears and you'll listen to anybody. Well, you're not turning your shoulders. Well, you got to shift your weight. You got to rotate your body. So now it's a cluster going on in your head. And you're so confused and you don't know what you're doing. So that being said, um, if you turn and rotate, the club's not going to get there first because your body's going to get there first. Therefore, the face is going to be open. Therefore, you're going to hit the ball to the right if you're right-handed. Again, mm-hmm. it's understanding the physics of the golf swing. And if you if you look at Iron Byron, which is used by every golf ball and golf club manufacturer in the world, and Iron mm-hmm. Byron doesn't have any legs. It's a machine. And all it does is swing its arms back and through and whack balls. So consistently straight that Titleist has to replace, or the USGA has to replace the sod in a three-foot square every six months because too many balls go the same place. So that's the physics of the golf swing. Now, if you believe that you're supposed to rotate and turn and shift, there's too many moving parts, and you can't hit it straight. So I right. would I would call it a fairway finder. I would learn, you know, teach people how to hit a fairway finder on purpose. Um, and and again, if you do that, you're going to learn to hit the ball straight. Now, the second part of that is how do you think? And as we speak, I'm creating a mental course, online course called Improve Your Game from the Inside Out that's going to be a Black Friday special. So if you're interested, go to email me, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, and um, you can buy the course. It's including a lot of stuff, a lot of assessments to figure out who you are. But you need to know, number one, what are you thinking? What are your beliefs? And and how can you hit it straight? And maybe your beliefs are wrong. They might be wrong. Right. And if they are, yeah. could it be that easy? Yes, it can. You know, I'm married to the second purest ball striker Dave Pauls has ever tested. Lee Trevino is number one. Alan Miller is number two. So needless to say, I was glad I asked him to marry me so I could get free lessons for life. <laughs> well, well said. Now, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, and, and, and that's a great, uh, a great package that you're putting together for, uh, for people. And it is really from the inside out because, you know, we all have a certain element of physical ability and with the right uh, training and so forth, you can pretty much do just about anything that you set your mind to. Um, but a lot of times our mind gets in the way. So um, again, go to uh, send, uh, give them the email again if they want to reach out and take advantage of this Black Friday special. Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. Perfect. Yeah. So... And that's going to be available. Struggle. I, I struggled my whole life. Again, I tell people when they come in for a lesson, depending on how much they're struggling, and I'm going to say, look, let me just tell you something. There isn't another human in the world that's willing, that's tried to get as good as I've tried to get or have gotten 
that's willing to share how screwed up they are with you to help you get better. You know, I get there's other people that are more screwed up that have played better than me, but at least I'm willing to share it with you to tell you this is what I learned. I was as whacked as they get. And and the whole reason I did that big break show was to prove the dream I had, you know, when I was 17 years old wasn't going to be a nightmare that would haunt me the rest of my life. It was a redemption thing for me. And now I love helping people because nobody's trying to screw up. No, you're exactly right. Well said. On that note, we're going to have to wrap it up. On behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico, and we want to thank everybody for joining us this morning on the Women of Might, uh, Women of Golf. We are not going to be uh, having a show next week because of Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to be honoring uh, the week of Thanksgiving, but we will be back on the 29th, so we hope you join us then. God bless everybody, and have a great week, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. <laughs>